so on Monday, Evo, we asked the question, where does this run fit in Packer history, and where would a win on Sunday fit in Packer history? I thought midweek, now that we are kind of at the halfway point home here of waiting, we take it one step further. Let's bring in all of it, all Ooh. of Wisconsin sports. Where does this run? Because, again, don't become prisoner of the moment, guy or girl. Go back to a year ago today uh, where we were one week into Matt LaFleur's tenure. Go back nine months ago today where we're going into a draft and free agency, basically having to redraft an entire defense and some of the skill players on offense. Go back six months ago today where training camp's starting, and you're like, this team will be lucky to win eight games. Right. So don't be the, well, of course this isn't a surprise. We've got Aaron Rodgers. We're the Packers. We're always expected to win. Nobody anywhere was talking like that anywhere from three to nine months ago. So throw that out the window. It's gone. Um, and then you put it into a context of where does this season in Wisconsin sports because you'd have to put it as one of the all-time stunners. Where does this thing fit currently? And if they win on, I don't mean we'll we'll deal with the Super Bowl because that's two weeks. We'll deal with the Super Bowl hype when that happens. We're, they're not there yet. I'm just saying if they win, if they make a Super Bowl in year one of this regime, where does that accomplishment fit as far as the all-time pantheon of incredible accomplishments in Wisconsin sports? Is if, it number one? Is it if, on Mountain like the anti Mount Rushmore? <laughs> if it, the Packers were to make the Super Bowl, it has to be number one. You, ha- this is something that's never been done in the entire history of the Green Bay Packers organization. No first year coach had ever made it to the playoffs, let alone to a Super Bowl. So the, don't you say? Don't you have to say it would be the best ac- accomplishment? And look at the look at the talent on the team. You got a couple here and there, but just on the offensive side of the ball alone, Devont, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. Who, who else? Bob Tanyan. <laughs> Bob Tanyan. Um, maybe uh, Jimmy Graham found the fountain of youth of those three catches, all huge on third down. I don't know. Look at Just look at the, look at the roster. Danny Vitale. <laughs> Great mustache. <laughs> exactly. We were saying the other day we'd rather take that 2017 NFC Championship wide receiver of Jeff Janis, Jared Aberderis, and a missing persons report of James Jones, the hoodie. Miller, it's it's got if they make a Super Bowl, this accomplishment has to be, isn't it number one? It's well, no, something that's never been done before. I'm starting to make a list of because if you go like like obviously Wisconsin getting the national championship game in basketball is you know the, the pinnacle of that sport, but they were returning from the final four they were returning the player of the year preseason pick and frank kaminsky they were returning every single member of that team now you could say when you have the bullseye on your back and still winning is pretty impressive and how many times do teams that are picked number one (coughs) excuse me or picked you know to win a championship in the preseason falter so at some level what wisconsin did that year is impressive because they wore the target on their back all year and backed it up. So you could put that in the discussion. The comeback would be, again, they were picked to go to the Final Four that season. The other ones would obviously be the 2000 Final Four with Dick Bennett, where they were a nine seed. That was impressive. And hadn't been in the Final Four in 60 years and were kind of like a miracle just to get into the tournament. So you could put that in the discussion. Obviously, to me, one of the greatest accomplishments in sports ever is the 94 Rose Bowl. So I think you'd have to put that in the discussion as well. But, uh, you know, I think this is certainly in the discussion. Is this the greatest? Would this be the greatest single-season accomplishment in Wisconsin sports history if Green Bay wins on Sunday? And they talk about, you know, well, we have Aaron Rodgers. We should always be in that conversation. Aaron Rodgers, though, has he's middle of the pack in almost every stat. He's, you know, what, what, what Aaron Rodgers got it done in crunch time, don't get me wrong, last game against the Seahawks. But what? You know, what would you describe Aaron Rodgers' season as? Not like the vintage Aaron Rodgers we no, know. No, I mean, it's a slightly above average season. Yeah. But so it's, the, the it's fact that you have a lack of skill set on the wide receiving core outside of Devontae, and then you got an average Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Jones, who has the touchdowns but doesn't really have that yardage. Anyway, he's got over 1,000, though, doesn't he? I don't know, man. You know, Chad tweets in, and he says, I have to slightly disagree. Um, they have a way above average offensive line. That's true. 
But, you know, they, their offensive line is phenomenal, but Aaron Rodgers is still having an average season. The, if they didn't make a Super Bowl, I, I, yeah, I think that's number one for me. According to the CBS article, five head coaches in their first year have made the Super Bowl. Two have won them. Yeah, I'm not even at the winning. That's a whole, like I said, then we can have another discussion as far as, you know, championships because we, we talk about it all the time. We're the, uh, we're the nut kick state, you know, where we get close. So that that's a great topic, Nelly, it, next, starting from Mike, because there's a week off for the Super Bowl. I would love to debate the merits of winning or losing in the Super Bowl, what that means in two weeks. I'm just saying, if they even get there, does it? Does it merit the greatest season in Wisconsin sports based on the low expectations, based on the complete unknown that was this franchise? Does a win Sunday? I mean, obviously, it's not even debatable. If they win the Super Bowl, sorry, no disrespect, 2010 and 1996 Green Bay Packers. This is the greatest season in Wisconsin sports history. That That's not even debatable if they win the Super Bowl. I'm just saying just the, just the fact of getting there where does that fit in the all-time landscape? Well, the Packers. So you go to that '94 Rose Bowl, Ron Dane, Bell Cow, Beast. Did you at that time though? Not '94. That was that was or, Brent Moss. Or sorry, no, I'm sorry, I got my years mixed up there. Um, but looking at just break it down by expectations going into that season. '94. You you didn't think oh. it would happen in '94. Yeah, they went five and six. Let me tell you a story. In 1992, which was Barry Alvarez's second year. They went five and they used to play eleven games back then. They went five and six. Their last game of the year, they were five and five playing Northwestern. They fumbled to get in position with about a minute left to kick what would have been a game-winning field goal. They went five and six. Going five and six was almost out of the realm of I can't believe what I just saw. Wisconsin went five and six. So coming back the next year in 1993, the expectation was, well, they went five and six last year. Could you flip that around? Six and five would have been an amazing accomplishment for the 1993 Badgers. So that that's the historical context of becoming bowl eligible would have been out of this world, and they went to the Rose Bowl and won it. So that's huge. Um, final fours, back-to-back final fours for Wisconsin. Obviously, you didn't think they'd be there the first year, right? Oh, 2000? No chance. Yeah. They were a nine seed. They shouldn't even have been in the NCAA tournament. That was very surprising. But then you go to the, the most recent one. The first Final Four was what? Unexpected? I mean, were, nah, I mean, they were a two seed. It was kind of like, I mean, is this finally? Bo Ryan had been closed so many times. I think it was more of finally Bo Ryan got it done. I don't know if they, you're a two but seed. They had, you know, they had a lot of talent on that roster, obviously. I'm just trying to think of this this year. You only have two Pro Bowlers. One's Aaron Rodgers, who I think a lot of people think he got to the Pro Bowl just by his name. And then David Bakhtiari, who kind of had a less than stellar season by his standards. He still had a good season. But you have two Pro Bowlers on this Packers team, yet they're one game away from the Super Bowl. Explain that one to me. Uh, I mean, we can do choices, or we can just do yes, what no's. About Brewers from 2018, because they went from narrowly missing the playoffs to the NLCS. Yeah, I thought about the two. That's yeah. I mean, the fact that you go on the road, you clinch a playoff spot in St. Louis, and you go on the road again, and you win the NL Central in Wrigley, and then you make it all the way one game. You know, and that was a team that the, the year series. before missed the playoffs. All right, by maybe a game. no. Don't go best. Go surprising. Where to put? If you go surprising seasons, I think to Nelly's point, you got to include it. 94 Rose Bowl, 2000 Final Four, 2018 Brewers, or this team, which has been the most surprising season in Wisconsin sports. Not necessarily the best, because we don't know if this team's going to win. Obviously, none of those teams did win a championship, other than Wisconsin in 94 did win the Big Ten championship and won the Rose Bowl. They didn't have a college football playoff in 1994, so Wisconsin technically did go as far as they could go, Um, but... As far as surprising, which of those seasons? All right, so what did you say, 94 Rose Bowl? 94 Rose Bowl, 2000 Final Four, 2018 NLCS, or this championship run? Which of those four has been the most? Maybe, again, not the best, not successful. Which has been the most surprising run for you? Because you can't say nobody anywhere picked the Rose Bowl in 94. Nobody anywhere picked... The, the final four in 2000, and nobody anywhere was picking the NLCS in, in 2018. What are yeah, you going to say? That was insane, especially when Jimmy Nelson was not going to be on yeah. that team, and he was the ace of the pitcher, or the ace of the staff in 2017. And Christian Yelich was always borderline 
borderline all-star his whole career in Miami, becomes the MVP. All right, Barry. Uh, obviously, we will talk about the Michigan State Series coming up, but we always uh, got to start the, the, the time by looking back. And to me, this past weekend series, like, totally sums up this Wisconsin season so far, right? Playing a good team, Ohio State, Friday night, just no chance. You're out of it from 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 go. And then Saturday night, you dominate, and you look like a team that could win a Big Ten title. Uh, a perfect, just to me, summation of the Badgers season. Uh, what was your takeaway of the series and how it kind of maybe fits into the narrative of this season? Yeah, you got it. I mean, uh, Friday night, they just had – they had no jump, and then in the first period, when you look at it, they had a five-on-three, which they did not, you know, uh, get a score on, and that, that just was really just something that. And then when you have a five-on-three guys in college and professional, it's a, and it's over a minute of a five-on-three, you got to bury the puck, and they didn't do that, and they just looked lackluster. And and then uh, Ohio State had, uh, was uh, I think they were two for four on the power play, so you looked at special teams, and and one of the things that we've always said is that goaltending has a lot to do with special teams on the penalty kill. So, you know, Lebedev had a, probably a below-average game, so to speak, and, and Granado went to, to Jack Barry for Saturday night. And they got the win Saturday night, Barry. Is there any correlation with that? Yeah, no, Jack Barry was seeing the puck very well. I mean, he looked really good in net, and uh, he, he looked big, and, and the team actually played well. And sometimes you have that, guys. You have some when – you, when you change goaltenders – Sometimes the team just reacts and plays better in front of different goaltenders. No rhyme or reason, but that's what happened on uh, on Saturday night. And they came out, Caulfield had a goal and got back on track. And Roman Sean had two goals, uh, unsung hero, so to speak, an energy guy for the Badgers. And, and so that was good. They needed that win. They desperately needed that win on Saturday night heading into Michigan State. Well, and uh, talking with our Badger Hockey Insider, Barry Richter, so now we get to this weekend. Uh, you get the good news, Barry. You, you don't leave uh, the friendly confines of the Cole Center. Uh, Michigan State currently sitting in second place, ironically enough, tied with Ohio State. So here's another, you know, resume-bolstering opportunity, stat-building opportunity. You know, Michigan State coming in. You know, a team that struggled the last couple of years, Barry, in the Big Ten, but they're they're obviously having a great season, currently second in the Big Ten. Another huge opportunity this weekend, right? Yeah, Danton Cole's done a great job. Um, former player, played in the NHL uh, for several years, and uh, like I said, played for Michigan State. And So when he took over two years ago, it's, it's a rebuilding process like Tony Bernardo's trying to do. And he's done a hell of a job. And so they didn't do too well last week where they split with Minnesota at home. And I know they felt a little salty about their Saturday night win, but they're going to come in and they're going to play hard. Just uh, listening to his press conference and listen to what their, their team identity is. Um, they will come in. They will play in the greasy areas. They're going to definitely crowd the net and they're going to be, uh, there's a lot of energy. So he's going to have those guys clipping. So it's going to be a, a pretty, Pretty good playoff atmosphere this Friday and Saturday night at the Cole Center, so it's going to be a good one. Now, Barry, I think you just said they're going to play in the greasy areas. Did did you say oh, that? Was I correct in hearing I that? Did. And we I also did. talked Let's last year. We also talked Let's last year about greasy goals. Can you explain to everyone that's not you know up to date with uh, hockey vernacular what is what is greasy <laughs> on the ice? Man? Yeah, I mean, anytime you, you know what, you know, things aren't pretty, right? And it's, it, sometimes you just got to uh, what in any kind of sports and, and you got to grease it up. You have to be in front of the net. Uh, something sometimes it goes up your leg, or sometimes you get a rebound. It's not a pretty goal that looks like it's in the upper corner, and and you got to pay the price to get in those areas. And that's what the Badgers did on Saturday night with, uh, you know, uh, Ashan having a tip in front, and and Caulfield getting uh, some traffic in front of that too. So, you know that that is how you have to sometimes get back to uh, getting in the dirty areas where you're going to take some cross checks. They're going to take some hits to the back. They're going to take some cross checks to your arms and uh, lower back. But that's the price you got to pay to get those greasy goals. Uh, I love it, Barry. Let's again look at the the landscape here. This Big Ten, you know, Penn State, uh, the leader, Wisconsin, unfortunately, still uh, in in the basement. I mean, the good news is the difference between Wisconsin and Notre Dame was kind of sitting right in the middle. Uh, at fourth is just six points. So, I mean, do, do you look at, boy, if you could just get a, a, a weekend sweep here or there and then take three or four on a road trip that you can get right back into this thing. And if you get at least to the middle of the pack, you kind of put yourself in striking distance for the last, you know, month, month and a half of the regular season? Yeah, that's possible, definitely, Joe. I mean, it, 
when you, if you can get a sweep this weekend, add six points to where they are right now. I know they're in the cellar and the Badgers are, but you add six points to where they are and you have a couple other teams in the Big Ten that might sort of beat up on each other where there's no ground uh, gain this weekend, they can get right in the middle of the pack uh, heading into the road. So, and feeling good about their game. Uh, hopefully Saturday was indicative of what can happen in the future if these guys just stick to the game plan, listen to the coaches, and, and get some goaltending. That's one thing that we've, they've been searching for, and, and Granado's hinted that Jack Berry is going to be in net Friday night, so it's going to be a different look. And uh, it, once again, if you get a little sweep this weekend, you know, anything's possible in the Big Ten. Uh, there's a lot of parity there, guys. I mean, you saw last weekend where uh, I believe it was uh, Michigan went into Notre Dame and beat them and swept them, I believe, on their own turf. Uh, Barry, you mentioned Saturday night, and obviously when you beat the eighth-ranked team in the country, Ohio State, you know, that's that's a, a, a confidence builder. What did you take away from that specific game Saturday where you say that's the what they need to do or if they can now finally, if the light bulb goes off from that, situation that game they can they can get back into the race this year well one of the things that I, we talked about last several weeks is that they just got to be i know it's i know it's coach speak evo he loves yeah, i love speak, it though right? Barry, it fires me up man <laughs> keep, keep it going but you gotta just make some basic simple passes out of the zone and what the batters they, they get in trouble where they don't make these simple passes they try to beat people one-on-one and then it just comes back two-on-one or breakaways and so they, they definitely exited the zone a lot better on Saturday. They had good goaltending and Jack Berry just making some saves for them. Their penalty kill was better. Special teams was better. You throw that all in the recipe, and then they got, you know, a good team, and they're going to they're gonna win some games. But you throw the, the lackluster energy what they had Friday, and, and, it just, and, and, and then you don't get a couple saves. It just spirals the other way, too, right? It's a snowball effect. So hopefully this is a start to – Getting a little bit of a little snowball here. We're going to have some snow this weekend and Ugh. and try to get a little bit, get a downhill and try to make that thing a lot bigger. Barry, when you switch a goaltender like that to Barry, is that something that's that you could foresee just they're going to continue on with him? Because obviously it sparks something Saturday night. Would that something they would continue to do is having Barry tending? Yeah, I think he's going to play both games unless it's, unless Friday night just does not look, uh, he doesn't look good in that. I, I, I see Tony Granada on the staff keeping with him for both games on uh, this weekend against Michigan State, try to get some continuity, try to get some consistency. You know, if he just plays just a decent game on Friday and the Badgers win, he'll be back in the Nets on Saturday for sure. Uh, visit with our Badger and Hockey Insider, Barry Richter. So, Barry, when you kind of get to this this part of the schedule, right, you know, we have that weird break, you know, over the holiday, and then you get that first series back. You know, when does it settle in? I know you used the term last week where it's kind of playoff mode, the rest of the season because unfortunately the hole you've dug yourself I mean is is that still the, the the riddle here for Wisconsin of just you have to find a way to treat every game like with a sense of urgency until maybe you can get some breathing room but they don't have that luxury right now no I mean they have to be treating this game Friday night as a playoff game I mean and they have to and once again listen to the Michigan State coach Danton Cole they're 20th ranked and guess what he said he said we are in playoff mode right now I mean they're 20th so they're looking at they have to get in the top 14 to be ranked to just get an NCAAs because the 50 and 16th are sort of at-large bids, or at least the 16th is the at-large bid. So they got to get in the top two Big Ten for a solid NCAAs. You know, maybe the Big Ten might take two, maybe four if you get someone that wins the playoffs. But that's what Danton Cole is saying all along. And these guys are 20th. So for the Badgers, they got to have that mindset because Michigan State's coming on Friday night. Uh, you know. Michigan State, you know, what's your take on this team, Barry, real quick? You know, a team that we were talking about, they, they kind of been near the bottom uh, the last couple of years. They, uh, is this one of the maybe the biggest surprises in the Big Ten this year is how, how good they've been? I don't think it's any surprise with the hockey community. Everyone that knows that and Cole knows that he was a hard, hard-working player. Um, that was his identity as a player. And, so, and your team sort of takes identity uh, of, of the coach, right? So, you know, he's going to have guys that come in, work hard, um, he's, he's turned around and actually pretty quick, as we all know, the, the recruiting process takes several years to get your guys in there, and he's done a pretty good job of that. So it, it, they're going to come in. They're not going to have a ton of first-rounders like we have, but the thing is, is that Michigan State, when they play at home, they have a small arena. Now they're going to come to the Cole Center into a little wider rink, and I think they're, they're going to struggle with that. I think it's going to be a little different. The bodies aren't going aren't to be as close to them to try to play a physical game, which they want to do, 
to try to slow down the Badgers. So that's going to be definitely an advantage for us to be playing on our home ice, a little bit wider rink, closer to Olympic size compared to what Michigan State plays at home. Well, you know, I'll leave it with this, Barry. What a night it would be. You got Friday night, Wisconsin basketball at East Lansing, the Breslin Center. That's now with the win last night for the basketball team. That's a battle of one versus two in the Big Ten basketball standings. How poetic, appropriate would it be for the hockey team to win and just vanquish East Lansing in one fell swoop this weekend by Badger Nation? That could be a good Friday late evening. Yeah. Boys, I'm not going to lie. Barry, uh, did you did you say you went to the game last night? I did. I went to the game last night. That was, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting. It was a great atmosphere. It wasn't sold out, which I was very, I don't know if it was an 8 o'clock game. Obviously, the students aren't back in town. But it was just a great uh, heck of a heck of a last 15 seconds there with Davison and, and pulling off the shot and everything. So, I mean, it was it was one of those games where you just, if you don't have it, and the batters just didn't have it for a little bit, and they got caught off, you know, after having a faster start. And they grinded out a win against a very, very good team. So it was it was a great, great Man, atmosphere. How about Barry Richter? Lambeau Field, Cole Center for Wisconsin <laughs> basketball and coming up for hockey. You're a busy man, Barry. Boy, and then, and the, and the, the best of them all, the Joe and Ebo show on Wednesday, Barry. I know. I know. Nice and fresh. You guys, I'm, I'm always fresh for you guys. It's because you're the man, Barry. Well, boys, you have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. Go Badgers and Packers, and hopefully we'll have a great uh, discussion next Wednesday. Hey, keep yeah, it greasy. You, you, you keep it greasy. Greasy goals, Barry. Greasy goals. The Packers on Sunday. This is an incredible feat that uh, that Green Bay has accomplished getting this far. But we wanted to put it, Ebo, in a historical context. And the three we came up with of maybe biggest surprise, stunning seasons uh, would be the 94 Rose Bowl. Uh, the 2000 Final Four, the 1988, uh, eight, excuse me, 2018 National League Championship Series, or this NFC Championship game. Out of those four, I'll ask both of you guys the question, which of the four Ebos that have been the biggest surprise to you? You know, I'm, I have to go, I was six years old for the 94 Rose Bowl. Like, to me, at the time, I couldn't grasp the concept of it, you know, Miller, there's a picture of my scrapbook I had when I was a kid. I took a Polaroid picture of the TV to commemorate it and put some paste on it and some Elmer's glue and slapped it on. That's the most extent I had of like being aware of the 94 Rose Bowl. Now, obviously, I know what it means. Uh, the 2000 Final Four, though, that team wasn't any good. And the fact that they were able to make it there is like insane. And that's the one leading the poll right now. Right. Um, but for me, just based on history, and I know history at the 2000 Final Four being crazy too, but a first year at... The Green Bay Packers are one of the longest and the longest sports, you know, entity organization out there. A first-year head coach had never made it to the playoffs, had never made it one game away from the Super Bowl. Hell, had never even had a winning season. So the fact that Matt LaFleur is out there one game away from the Super Bowl, got to take on the Niners, is is insanely impressive. After two years of missing the playoffs, you have no one outside of Devontae Adams on the wide receiver that you can really name as, a, as a, someone that's a positive. Um, and Aaron Rodgers is average. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but he's average for what he used to be. I either got to go this year's Packers run, or I say this one, the 2018 NLCS. The fact that the Brewers had to go on the road after they, we thought they were dead and buried, beat the St. Louis Cardinals on the road to qualify for the playoffs, yep. and then win the NL Central in Wrigley, a.k.a. Miller South. It's a good one. And then make it one game away from the World Series, which, man, if you would have had maybe like Wade Miley stay in or a little – or one other tweak differently, you could be in the World Series. To me, it's the 2018 NLCS or this year's Packer run. Uh, I want to hear your answer in a second, Nelson. couple tweets. Again, 608-321-1670. Where does this run rank historically as far as just the, the stunning season in Wisconsin sports history? Uh, J. Roy Mama says, 2000 Final Four because the team was really bad. It's like you said, Evo. He said all other teams on this list actually were talented. I could debate that, but I, I see where he's coming from. Shane T. Katz, a lot of youngins voting, question mark. 94 Rose Bowl coming up, back-to-back five, six seasons. 99-2000 uh, men's basketball team was coming off a third-place 22-win season. 2000 was amazing, though. Yeah, I went Rose Bowl. I just, I can't put that, I can't stress enough how out of right field that was. And, yeah, it was a great team, but that's retrospectively. That's like saying, 
to Darius Smith and Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones are great players, so of course they're going to make the the NFC Championship game. We didn't think Aaron Jones would hold up as a starter. Mm-hmm. At least I didn't. I mean, Zadarius Smith was a nice role player for the Ravens, who's now like the best pass rusher in football. There's no way you thought this Packer team was good. So I get what he's saying, but it's easy to do that at the end, right? The Packers were very well, average going into this season. And if you want to talk history, look at the Brewers. Before that Before that run to the NLCS, they'd only been in the playoffs four times in their franchise history. Four, right? Four times. And uh, this is a team that was looking like it wasn't even going to make the playoffs. And they got hot at the end. Christian Yelich uh, went you know, unconscious. And they had to win on the road to their nemesis in the Cardinals and their nemesis in the Cubs. I think... What did we expect for the Brewers to do? Wasn't that the final re- year to, quote-unquote, keep rebuilding? Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, all right, Nelson, same question to you. Uh, this season uh, for the Packers, you got the Brewers 2018 NLCS, 2000 Basketball Final Four, 94 Rose Bowl, wh- or anything else if we miss. What's just the one where you said there's no way in a million lifetimes I would ever saw that was possible? Well, I can't really comment on the Rose Bowl in 94 since I technically wasn't even born until later in 94. <laughs> Um, Maybe that's why they won the Rose Bowl. It was just it was ushering in a great era. 2000. The era. Or they finished the great era. <laughs> 2000 <laughs> Final Four. Also, I'm kind of like Ebo for that Rose Bowl. I was, what, six years old. I couldn't really comprehend it. I didn't really follow Badger basketball. So I'd have to narrow it down to the Brewers and the Packers. And I actually went with the Packers. Because that Brewer team to me was right on the doorstep to making the playoffs. And I was a... A Christian Yelich fan before he played a game for the Brewers. Yeah, I remember. So that. I had high hopes for that team. And honestly, with this Packer team, Matt Lafleur, I, di- I didn't believe in Matt Lafleur at all. I-, I was very skeptical. I thought at some best would say you still don't based on your Twitter activity, but I definitely would agree that beginning of the season. Um, but that's a great point, Nelson. I'm, I'm uh, actually well done, impressive. Um, here's the other thing where I would say the Packers maybe to me would I would lean that if not Rose Bowl above the other two. Ebo is we talked about this a little bit earlier. Not just the Packers. You have to put into context the competition, and the NFC is clearly, in my opinion, far superior to the AFC, and it has been for many years. You look at the six playoff teams in the AFC versus the NFC. It's it's you know it's not even debatable which t- six are better. So you have to put into context that not only is Green Bay doing this with a first year head coach with a roster that was a completely gutted the offseason, they're also doing it in a conference that everyone assumed was absolutely stacked going into the season. You had speaking of wonder boy, I, I we say Matt LaFleur, everybody thinks Sean McVay, you know, everything he touches turns to gold. The Rams were the next dynasty in waiting. Uh, the Cowboys had all the talent in the world. The Bears had stunned the world going in 12-4, and four, and you had that incredible defense in Khalil Mack. And dare I say, Mitchell Trubisky looked like a great quarterback. You still <laughs> he had, was a pro bowler. Right. You still had Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. You had the Eagles two years removed from a Super Bowl. You had the Panthers and Falcons three and four years removed from a Super Bowl. You had the Saints who got absolutely housed. You had Drew Brees who had been in the last two a- NFC Championship games. That's eight teams I just listed. You know who I didn't list? The Packers. Yep. All those teams. The NFC was supposed to be, and it was. By the way, the Saints went 13-3 and and got the three seed. The NFC is stacked, yet here the Packers are still playing. It, it defies explanation. Well, and then think of the run the Packers went on, too, of how surprising it was. They go out to L.A. and they just, or uh, to San Francisco, and they get demolished by the Niners, right? What do they do after that loss? Have not lost. Have not lost. Have in the not NFC Championship lost. game coming up. All right, 608 321 1670. Where does this run fit in some of the all time historical great runs in Wisconsin sports? 608 321 1670. Chad, welcome to the Joe and Evo show. Morning, boys. What's good? What's good? What's happening? Well, I, I got to agree. I think it's got to be the Packers, and for a couple of reasons. One, the best player on the Brewers in that 2018 run was is pretty much at the peak of his powers at that at that point. Right now, the person that we would call the best player, or most people would expect to be the best player, is exactly what you said. He's been average. He's been they've been winning with really no wide receiver core to speak of, except for Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones is the next best receiver after that. And the the reality is, I think that Brewers team. I know it was supposed to be the last year 
of their rebuild. If I remember correctly, they started the season great and then took a nosedive. So people felt like they were underperforming in the middle. And then, they, like you said, they got really hot and everything gelled. I, I felt like the Packers this season, more or less, they've never played a complete game yet except for that Raiders game. So no one expected to see this happen in this season. I'm still shocked they're playing on Sunday, to be quite frank. And honestly, I don't think that I don't think that they're 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 that out of it. I think they could actually go out there yeah. and win this. Well, Chad, you bring up a good point. You know? I mean, the Packers, an average Aaron Rodgers, and a team that hasn't gelled and it looks dysfunctional. Yet here they are, one game away from the Super Bowl is in, yeah, insane. Yeah, it's, it's it's insane. And then on top of that, like the, the fact that. This is a, basically a brand-new defense, a first-year head coach. Who's ever done that? I'm not ready no to you know, proclaim this guy Packers. Vince Lombardi, but a 40-year-old guy, he's my age. It, it's dumbfounding to me. I go to court sometimes freaking out about cases. This guy, you, you can imagine the pressure he's under at 40 years old doing that job. So I got to say that. I think that that's pretty remarkable. That 2000 uh, – Joe is around, a little older than me, though. That 2000 Badger – uh, basketball run was incredible and that team you know some of those guys are my buddies from college that team had almost no talent so watching I remember them beating uh, Arizona and Purdue to during that run and it was more or less like oh that LSU the out. LSU team had three uh, lottery picks the LSU yeah, they're, they're, the, Swift, right Jabari Mill or J- and Jabari yeah. I can't think of his last name but they, they had like the third fifth and like ninth they had these three seven footers like that was yeah. a superstar team and they score the score was like 30 to 8 at halftime yeah. they just absolutely humiliated LSU in the Sweet 16 yeah so that one was that one was shocking in that moment like while while you watched it you couldn't believe what you were seeing but i would have to say the packers as far as expectations there was zero expectations to be in an nfc title game and on top of that here's the big thing we're one game away from the super bowl part of this is what are you playing for yeah mm-hmm. i mean the super bowl is the biggest chimichanga out there so you gotta oh, you almost have to go with that Jimmy Changa? No, that's a great point, uh, Chad. Thank Thanks, you. Chad. Uh, yeah, I mean, 2000's winning it, and I get it. And maybe you could say, Ebo, because to get to the Final Four, you have to win four games, and the Badgers were the lower seed in all those games. They were a nine seed. They weren't even favored to win their first game against Fresno State. Then they had to play the number one overall seed uh, in Arizona. They were a massive favorite. Then you had to play LSU, who was like an, an NBA you know, JV team, and then Purdue, the most winnable of the four games, but you were an under. I mean, they were never favored in that 2000 run. Then, of course, even the final four game where they play Michigan State, they ultimately lose. But they were an. Un, they played five games in that tournament. They were an underdog in all five of them. I mean, you, the Packers were favored last week. The Packers did have a first round bye. You know, the Brewers did yeah. have the best regular season record. The Brewers did have home field advantage against the Dodgers. And against the uh, the Braves uh, or the Rockies in the divisional round, the, the Badger basketball team was a underdog every single game they played in that run. So you got to factor that in yeah. as well. I mean, yeah, you totally can make the case that that's the biggest head scratcher. Is I would love to go back to 2000 before that year's season started and, and hear the expectations. I would hear sports talk radio like, well, you know, we're in, strapping ourselves in for another, you know, below 500 Bucky yeah, Badger th- team. Those were the days where NIT was a success and NCAA tournament was a gift. Back, back in the 90s and early 2000s, that was your expectations as a Badger fan. I'd be happy with the NIT. If they could just show up on Selection Sunday, I'm out of my mind happy. Final yeah. Fours. N- nobody's talking Final Fours around here in 1999. That word didn't exist. In Madison, no. Um, God, can you can you remember what it was like? I, or I know you can, like the expectation or the what was it like to be happy to finish middle of the pack in the Big Ten? Well, that, that's what I like. I just said. Yeah. I mean, it was like and I, I, NIT was a, some air checks. Saved. Yeah, and, and NIT was a successful season. An NCAA tournament, not winning a game, not winning games, just being in the bracket was it's like now the equivalent of a Final Four or a Rose Bowl or an NLCS. Just Hearing your team's name announced on Selection Sunday back then was beyond an accomplishment. Now it's like we get mad when they get bounced before the Sweet 16. We would throw parties back in the 90s if they <laughs> show. I, I Seriously, Selection Sunday, and that's why I always love Selection Sunday. It's not so much now. It's what it meant back then for me as a Badger fan. Just to see Wisconsin's name show up 
Because it, it, it didn't exist in this state before that. Well, what was the the '94 Rose Bowl? What did the what did the Badgers finish the year before? Weren't they six and five? Five and or five six. and six. Yeah. Oof. Which is, I mean, I I, I would I would want to give some love to that '94 team uh, as well. So we were going through this, you know, putting uh, this Packer run in history. And the two that seem to be keep coming up are the two Badger teams. 94 Rose Bowl, 2000 Final Four Basketball. The other choice on this Twitter poll are the Brewers from two years ago. Uh, have we undersold the amazingness of that run? A team that was thought to possibly be a fringe playoff team. I remember doing expectations on opening day when we were there. And we had a we had a big crew around us. And pun intended and uh <laughs> the 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 consensus Nailed vote it. was second wild card yeah that if they could be the second if they could just play a 163rd game man would that be a sweet treat as a brewer fan if they could just play game 163 be a tasty little treat wouldn't they it? played game 163 which actually was to decide the NL Central at Miller South then they played four more games in the divisional round and then they played seven more games in the National League Championship Series so in fact they played almost 175 games. Are we underselling how amazing of a run the Brewers had two years ago? It was an incredible run, wasn't it? I mean, whoever thought they'd go to St. Louis and then go to Miller South in Chicago and get those wins to you know clinch that, then go one game away from the World Series? You can make a strong case. Like, what what would be one thing you'd change in that series against the Dodgers, Nelly? Would it be no pull Miley early? Yeah, I think that's that, got to be that, it. Was game that it? two. I think it was where they pulled Miley early. If if I could change one thing, I think that'd be that that moment. Just l- don't hook him early. Leave him in. I think they win. I think they win that series if he stays in. God, what a run though! I mean, the Brewers had only been in the playoffs what four times before that, right, Miller? In their franchise yes. history, in their whole existence, and to be one game away when I thought because we had our big debate a couple of years ago, uh, embrace the rebuild and not my rebuild. We were both had di- differing opinions on that, but we both agreed on one thing, that that was still a rebuilding year for the Brewers. That was supposed to be, what, the, the second or the last year of the rebuild, right? Yes. And there they were, one game away from the World Series. That was so impressive. And the fact that, you know, you had um, Stearns out there and, and pulling all the right moves and, and bringing in the right players, and then you had Council just with his, you know, kind of doing the whole bullpen pitching by committee thing. That was It was really impressive what they did. It's either that or the this year's Packers for me, just just because I'm younger, you know. Uh, so who do we got, Nelson? Uh, Justin. Justin, welcome to the Joe and Evo show. Brad Davison, what a gamer, huh? Yeah, how about it? Wow, that was huge. Well, one thing that sports fans love to do, um, football, basketball, baseball, doesn't matter, is always complain about the refereeing. Um, but watching last night's game, we get a lot of home cooking at the Cole Center. Uh, it's crazy to, to finally get some calls go all our way and have things turn out. It was, it was awesome. Uh, yeah, never a doubt, uh, Justin, with, with Davison at the end, right? Hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that. Hey. Well, hey, dude, that two seconds of him like tipping the ball off the Maryland defender and then hitting that shot was like the biggest three seconds of Brad Davison's, what, past two years? Mm, Year? Possibly. Yeah, that was a good stretch, no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, Justin, most important question, because I see you've been ducking my text. Are you Uh-oh. ready for round two on the simulator this weekend? Because I'm going back. The only question is, are you man enough to show up for round two? Mm, yeah, yeah, I'm man enough. Okay. Who won? Who won the first round? He won. He, he did. But he had home. He had, he had played it before. Now that I've got it, oh, Justin, it's going to be like fishing with dynamite this time around, brother. I got the home field home home field advantage like the call center. Baby. Yeah, but you also found out about my Grizz, Grizzly situation because I saw you uh, tweeted at me yesterday. So that that's definitely a, the Grizzly is the X factor in the go- round of golf on Saturday. Yeah, you disclosed the the secret weapon yesterday. You didn't have to do that. Yeah, I know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gamer, Justin. I don't want any improprieties. That I can't golf without Griswold. Oh, you got each greens? Yeah, and I was running low on Saturday. I had another guy that was vulturing all my Grizz. So I'm going to have like seven cans on Saturday, Justin, just ready to go. I might I might have an IV bag. Thank you for the call, Thanks, brother, of, uh, of Grizzly. So, no, we had a uh, we played at the simulator. Shout out to Domins and their uh, simulator at Hawks Landing. Incredible. And uh, we played for a little bit of scratch. I ended up losing by two at the end, but uh, I, it was my first time playing on the simulator out there. There's a learning curve 
It's no simulators. There is a learning curve, on especially those. for putting. The putting is so hard. On the and freaking simulators. I figured it out by What's the end. What's harder for a golf simulator? The putting, the driving, or the Staying shooting sober. of deer slash baseball slash hockey game? Oh, your your or your disclosure of being a milf hunter because that all happened on that same night. Oh, or are you man, hitting was... a, or are you hitting a driver upside the head with a sub sandwich going fifty miles an hour down the interstate? Yeah, I forgot about that. Nelson almost. There might not be Did a you, Joe and Ebo show. You hit the bus driver in the back he of the head him, with a no, sub the sandwich. side of the face with a veggie well, sub. While we were going fitty. While we were going down the interstate. And that's why Joe Miller never played receiver ever. Oh yeah, you did throw oh, that blame sub it on me. It hit you. I blame in the both hands. of you guys. Uh, Nelson's off, Nelson's dart and then Miller's. <laughs> I don't know why. So What's Brandon, the old adage, Brandon, Joe? If it hits you in the hands, Finley you got to catch hands. it. Well, I, I don't believe I had asked for you to throw it to me. It was a, it was a joke that you had the veggie sub. So I think you were mad that you had a veggie sub. <laughs> so you, me. you threw it back to me aggressively. It was not like, Joe, here's your sub. It was like, you a-hole, you gave me a veggie Feel sub. Bad for Take that bus this driver. back. Misses my hands. Hits the bus driver on the side of the face. <laughs> No wonder we don't have nice things on this show. Shouldn't have been sitting there. Unbelievable. <laughs> Shouldn't have been driving the bus. And we wonder why we don't don't, don't do more fun things. We're just relegated. That to could sleep. be because last time. Well, what happened time, to the other bus driver? Yeah, the last time the bus driver actually got mad because someone painted their seat. That was Ryan Braun. Yeah, that's someone a, named Mo Jiller oh, decided to mess with the other bus driver. You know driver. what? That, that lady needed to relax. It was Ryan Braun that I had painted on my body. Yeah. I didn't know it was 110 degrees. The guy that I, didn't get led in Miller Park is telling the driver she needed to relax. <laughs> Unbelievable. The Zach Heilbrun. The W-O-Z-N sports director. The legend. And great American. What's up, Zach? How you guys doing? Uh, I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? Fantastic. Uh, Zach, before we start, uh, I have a little bit of did you know, because this is this is next level stunner. Uh, Brad Davis in the star of the game last night was a high school quarterback. Had you ever heard that before the broadcast last night? I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't. I do Unbelievable. not believe it. Man, that's an all-around athlete. It is. Hey, did you know Jake Kumar went to UW? Yeah, yeah. Nah. Hey, stop it, Zach Kyle. Next that is tell me. not true. Did Jimmy Graham play college basketball too? Oh, did he? No, there's no That's way. I suppose you're going to say the Packers had a chance to draft T.J. Watt. Now let's just be silly around here. Well, they did have that. I knew that. I knew that one. I did know that. Hey, in all seriousness, is that – I mean, look, it's ironic, Zach. We had you on two days ago, and we a- I asked you, what has happened to Brad Davison? Like, has he joined a witness protection program? Did he turn, like, state's evidence or something? And then, lo and behold, he has a double-digit point game, makes obviously the greatest sequence you're going to see in two seconds with the spiking the ball out of bonds off the defender and then making the game-winning three. Uh, is this the jump start? Maybe we can say maybe Brad Davison is uh, is not dead yet. Yeah, you know what? It kind of brought back hit that two play sequence. Kind of uh, reminded me of Michael Flowers back in uh, what was it, two thousand seven, maybe against Texas, where he drilled the three pointer to give them the lead, and then stole the outbound uh, the inbounds pass and threw it up in the air. Uh, and it was at Texas, and Texas was ranked. That, that was a lot, that kind of re- what it reminded me of. But Wisconsin had no business winning that game. There's no like uh, John Rothstein from CBS Sports used to have a thing where Bo Ryan, uh, a thief, last night was the type of game that that's how he got that uh, that going because that was a game that Wisconsin should not have won and they stole it. And I've never seen a coach more distraught in a post-game press conference than Mark Turgeon was. The first th- almost first words out of his mouth were how de- this was a devastating loss. Um, Brad Davison did not lead them any, any statistical categories yesterday but made perhaps – two of the bigger plays of the season. And it could be, we may look back at it in the two biggest plays of the season. Hey, Zach, let me ask you, man. Now, uh, Brad Davison, obviously the story of the game just because of how it ended, but uh, scoring a lot of the points for the Wisconsin Badgers, Nate Reavers and Micah Potter, talk on the the success of those two. And I have another follow-up question when you're done talking to how good you know Micah Potter has been and Nate Reavers. So you have a follow-up question to your question Yeah, just about talk. That? All right, here I'm just going to get out of the way. How come they don't play in the court at the same time together? <laughs> there you go. That um, was easy to get to that. I wanted yeah, to build up uh, to it. Yeah, no, well, hey, they were both uh, really, you know, really good offensively last night. Micah Potter certainly was. He was 6-7 on the field, had 14 points. Only played six minutes in the second half, and I know that was obviously a huge contention or a huge point of uh, anger for some fans, at least on Twitter, last night. And, 
the the fact is, and this was Greg Guard was Greg Guard was talking about it was doesn't with the ball screens that um, Maryland was was doing and a lot of that the the role that would have the big guy going down low and a lot of alley oops uh, for uh, attempted dunks or an opportunities for dunks for uh, for Smith were. Um, a concern, and he thought that Nate Rivers is playing those better than Micah Potter. I think that that's that's as clear as it gets. In terms of playing them together at the same time, especially against Maryland, who was playing uh, pretty small, they and they were getting a lot of switches on those ball screens. It would have had Micah Potter or Nate Rivers, one of the two. There's a lot bigger chance of it happening having to guard um, Anthony Cowan in those in those switches, and that would not have looked good. I mean, it didn't look great as what as is, but. Yeah, they can't. It, it's hard to be on the floor at the same time when you have uh, those two guys. When um, it's a possibility that you're going to get them switched on a, on one of the best point guards in the country, and that it just would not have. It wouldn't have looked good. Um, I understand that everybody wants Mike Potter on the floor. Uh, Wisconsin is actually worse uh, statistically with him on the floor, uh, analytics-wise, than they than they are with uh, him off the floor so far this year. So um, now the last three games. That's, it feels like it's a little bit, a little bit different. I think those numbers will probably change a little bit, but he's going to continue to see more time. But last night, there was a reason. That was the reason why I didn't uh, see more. Uh, visiting with our sports director Zach Hopper. So Zach, I love signs and you know clues in in following sports and in life. Like you know, 1997, San Francisco 49ers one seed, Packers two seed, Packers Super Bowl. So I like that stat. I also like. 2015, 2016, the last time a Wisconsin team won three games in a row against ranked opponents. Just so happened to be Greg Gard's first year, a season that was in turmoil when Bo Ryan quit and that Greg Gard wasn't the long-term answer, and then they go to the Sweet 16. Didn't I hear that kind of same chatter like a month ago surrounding this team? Uh, see, the, the signs, Zach, pointing to it all lining up now for this Badger team. Yeah, well, I think a lot of those those words are coming out of the mouths of two of the guys sitting close to you. So <laughs> that's every day. I, I, that's white what? noise. That's like when I fall asleep to the TV on what? Zach. Um, hey, yeah, there were yes. There's a lot of people that that were concerned about it, you know. And even after they lost Illinois last week, it was this this team or this uh, great guard doesn't have it in them and all that kind of crap. Um, they their last three wins have come against top twenty five teams, uh, and I don't know. The Big Ten's really good, and I'm not sure how many wins they're going to get, but I think if they get to 18, they'll be in pretty good shape for the NCAA tournament. Uh, obviously, probably maybe maybe one win in the in the Big Ten tournament would guarantee it. But I don't know about I don't know what you mean by lining up. I mean, are you saying that they're going to make the Sweet 16? And, yeah, just and a, you know, where it's a season and, where people four years ago didn't really believe in this team, and at midseason they were kind of left for dead. Then they went on this incredible run. You know, you go yeah. to this season, you know, when you lose those back-to-back games to Richmond and and New Mexico, you're just hovering around 500. People are saying this season's left for dead, and now here they are. They've totally turned the corner, beat three ranked teams. You're in second place in the Big Ten. You're clearly an NCAA tournament team, and now the question is, isn't this team going to be an NCAA tournament? It's can this team win the Big Ten and be a legitimate threat to make a deep tournament run? I think we'll probably find out a lot about it on Friday, won't we? I mean, Michigan State coming off uh, what was an embarrassing loss at um, at Purdue, and they have not they will not have played until they they take on Wisconsin on Friday night. So this this Friday, to, I mean, really be a huge determining factor of whether they can go on and win the Big Ten. But they, look, their schedule, their margin for error is so small. Like they should not have won that game last night, right? I mean, they, I think we can all agree with that. They they stole one. Um, and I, I think they're a good team, but I think it's probably a little bit too much to say that they're going to have an opportunity to, what, get to 14 and six or something like that, or 13 and seven in the Big Ten. That's that's probably asking a bit much right now because we just don't know. Because we also saw what they did against Illinois. That was Illinois was a week ago. You know what I mean? So we can't. Um, I think it's a little early to say that everything's great with them, but certainly signs of pointing up. And this is a much different team with Micah Potter, and it would look much, much different. I, I think, obviously, we'd have probably a different outlook on the team, at least I would, if Micah Potter had played all year, and you know they probably have a few less losses. Dude, the NCAA is a bunch of idiots. We all know that. Now, Jack, we were talking yesterday in my office about seeding and you know March Madness and yada, yada, yada. Uh, remind me again of where, and this was before the win over Penn State, where yeah. was uh, a couple of the Big Jays having Wisconsin uh, seeded? <laughs> Big Jays. Um, it was yeah. It was before the win over Maryland last night, and it was um, I think Andy Katz had them as a seven seed, no, a six seed, 
and uh, Joe Lenardi has him, had him as a seven seed. Either way, like it's it's very early for that, that that type of thinking. But I will say this: there's another uh, outlet. It's called Team Rankings, and they do a, b- a whole bunch of analytics. And it was talking about you know where they are in terms of uh, their most likely seed. And this was again before last night. Their most likely seed was a 12 seed. That's uh, and it, you know at 12 percent, that was their most likely seed. And it, 11 was an 11 percent. 10 was 10 percent. It went on down. Then went on down the road, but. More wins like last night, more wins against ranked teams, more wins against Quadrant 1 teams as part of the net rankings. Um, you could see them in that 6, 7, 8 range. And remind me again, where did Nelson have him at? I don't remember. Where did he have him at? The first four in? Or the last oh, four oh, yeah, in or whatever, yeah, yeah. the play-in right. game? Was that what it was, Nelly? I think I, yeah, no, I I asked him, I asked both you guys which where, where they were, and you had, yeah. he had him as the uh, first four out. Yeah, yeah first four, yeah, and I had what, as a nine seed, I think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking Nelson. He was so mad they won last night. Uh, well, Zach, I'll give you credit because you said this uh, earlier. I think it was last week when you were on with this, and the polls reflecting it yesterday. There are 14 teams in the Big Ten. Uh, 11 are either ranked or others receiving votes. I mean, to have an argument of is it the best conference, to me that's not even arguable uh, anymore when you have 11 of 14 among the 30 best. I mean, it's 33% of the best teams in the country uh, originate from one conference. I mean, it's not even debatable yeah. anymore that the Big Ten's the best conference, is it? Well, you know what? Uh, I actually asked uh, one of our uh, Wisconsin Basketball Roundtable guests, Brian Butch, uh, which, again, you can hear the show every Friday at 5 o'clock right here on The Zone. Nice. Uh, yes. Uh, and he, I asked him, I said, because I asked him the same thing. I'm like, look at, all, look at, look at this conference. It has to be the best in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the country. And he said, it's up there, uh, but he also sees the Big East. Uh, it's either between them and the Big East. And um, I think if you continue to see Wisconsin play well and Ohio State maybe get back on track and Michigan get a little, maybe get a little bit back on track, you, you'll see that uh, everyone will start thinking about it. But you, you talked about the 11 of 14. None are ranked higher than, I believe, 15. I think Michigan State's 15th. I think that may be the highest-ranked one. So it's, it's not necessarily um, elite, elite, but – yeah, the, the overall depth of the conference, I don't think you can question that at all. Well, just to, to put the, into perspective of what is truly elite, Duke lost to Clemson last night. Not in football, <laughs> in basketball. So uh, Duke was ranked third in the country. They lost to freaking Clemson last you night. There are no yeah. good teams in college or elite teams oh, in college they, basketball this year. There is not. No, you're right. There's There are no elite teams. I mean, I... Every time this a year like this happens, I look back to the fourteen fifteen year with Wisconsin. And be like, why couldn't they just play this year? Because they would, they would. No dominate. doubt, I don't, they may not lose uh, all year. I mean, that's in that year you had three great teams. So um, yeah, this is the year. I don't. I'm not sure who is the favorite. I mean, there's a, there's a couple uh, really good teams, but I don't think there's anybody that's uh, far and away the best team in the country favorite. Like you know that they're going to be in the final four and playing for a national title, like you did with Wisconsin and Kentucky and Duke that year uh visit with our sports director zach halpern before we let you go though let's, let's get some zach halpern history i know you're a big rose bowl guy and obviously talking some of the final fours uh we're trying to put this Packers season in a historical context uh zach where does it fit the three we came up with 94 rose bowl 2000 final four 2018 nlcs as just seasons that came out of nowhere i'm putting that Packers season in that context would you agree with that and out of those four can you pick one well, I, sentimental value. There's there's nothing better than, than '93, right? I and mean, there's the because of how bad they had been for so so long. And obviously, there was a little bit of a, a sign that things were changing the the two years before they they went five and six. But to go ten one and one and win a Rose Bowl and you know have seventy thousand people in Pasadena wearing red, it was that that season will never be top for me personally. Like sentimentally, uh, surprising the 2000 Final Four team. No, I mean they were an eight seed. They had been. Uh, they uh, they were let's say offensively challenged at times um, as most teams <laughs> under as most teams under Bennett Ball is usually uh, to do what they did and beat a one seed in Arizona beat a what a four seed in LSU take out Purdue I mean the only I, it, it maybe shouldn't have been a huge surprise because I think only like in the last uh, month and a half of that year the only team that they lost to was Michigan State and obviously they lost to Michigan State again I think they ended up losing to them four times uh, in the in the same year but. That that was shocking, you know. The Brewers certainly, but they had put a little effort into that off season with with Yelich and Kane, and um, it, it certainly caught people off guard. This year, um, 
we'll see. Can if if they somehow beat the Forty ers on on Sunday, you'd have to say that it, it may be the most surprising of all because they weren't in the playoffs the last two years. New coach, every other new coach has been horrible this this year, and they're gonna and they would end up going to the Super Bowl and playing the Super Bowl. It may go up there, but for me personally, sentimentally, sentiment, uh, 94, 93, 94 is hard to top. Uh, any comment on something uh, where you have a, a coach of the second place team in the best conference still being on something called Mount Notice? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> we all don't, Zach. We wonder every day what it is. Welcome to my life. Yeah. Hey, you have a hey, great. Have fun and you make day. yourself a great Wednesday, Zach Heilprin. You, you too, guys. Thank you. There he is. See you, brother. Follow him on Twitter at Zach Heilprin. He'll be covering Packers media availability today. The one day you get to hear from Aaron Rodgers and the big players is today. So we'll have that for you. After we continue with our Bucks guy, Tony Cartania. All right, Tony, you sent me this. Uh, this is, you know, we were talking the other day about, or last week when you were in with us about the idea of Giannis leaving and. I guess this is continuing to pick up steam and uh, momentum, isn't it? Yeah, I just want to preface this by saying, so Stephen A. Smith did like a Q&A yesterday on Twitter where he answered questions in video form, which was kind of new for him. It was pretty cool. But last week we had this conversation because it really ramped up when the Bucks played the Warriors. Correct. They yeah. were out in San Francisco or Oakland, that area, and that's when it really ramped up. And they do a very good job of trying to make sure those questions aren't asked. But when you got a player available and your job is to ask a question to Giannis, you got to do your job. So he's going to get asked about it. People are going to speculate. And having lived this with LeBron and the Cavs, being in the middle of that, I am just a full Oh, yeah, warning. you were there for that, weren't you? Yeah. I was there for – I'm telling you guys, it is going to get bad. Like, this is – we uh, haven't seen – Don't I, And we haven't even really even brought up the topic yet. And we're going to get to the point – and I, I'm not even kidding. We're going to get to the point where – Giannis's girlfriend is going to like a post from some oh. friend who's in a yes. Warriors jersey, yes. and people are going to lose their minds. And I'm telling everyone, it's going to happen, and oh, you just got to roll with it yeah, because it, I, it, it, like you think <sighs> I'm like, dude, Mallory exaggerating. Edens. Mallory Edens, the one of the owner's daughters, mm-hmm. was out there. I saw an article from last night or today saying that she's like, Giannis isn't going anywhere. Why would he? He's loyal. I'm like, now we got to hear from Mallory Edens about it. Well, no, this is the tip of the iceberg. You're going to hear from Giannis's drive-through worker who yeah. saw him with a "I love California" bag allegedly. You know what I mean? Like it, it gets that oh. psychotic. But there's always the chance. Until the ink is dry, there is always a chance. Yep. Can Giannis but just come? Do on? we have the Stephen? Yeah, here video? we go. This is hanging on. This is Stephen A. Smith on the idea of Giannis leaving. Here you go. Honestly, I wish Giannis would go. No. To the Warriors this offseason because I personally think a superstar like that should be in a bigger market or could you imagine somebody like Giannis with surrounded by Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and no shooters Golden State will be back in the championship for the next three to five years and the Lakers nor the Clippers would beat them I'm telling you that right now so there's a few things in that video that I and I I, it, I, I love a. Stephen A. Smith same, same. stop it and for as much as people don't like him or say things of that, you know, he's just a character now, Stephen A is dialed in. He's awesome. You always have to take into account that Stephen A is very, very dialed in to what's going on in the NBA. But when the Bucks made the trade for Monta Ellis, what was that, 2012? Yeah. Were the Warriors considered a big market? No. I know they're in the state of California. No, they were But were they considered line. a big market? No. With technology and travel and the internet, honestly, Milwaukee will never be considered a New York, Chicago, or L.A., but we never thought, you know, six years ago, seven years ago, we'd be calling San Francisco yeah. and Oakland a big a, market a, a either. A big market is when you needed eyeballs for branding, right? When you needed to go to New York because you had the national stage to be branded. You don't need a big stage to be branded anymore. So I, the idea of the only where it place, in my opinion, Tony, big market, small market still exists is baseball because they don't have a salary cap in every other league where you have true. a salary cap. There is no such thing as a big market versus small market anymore. So that argument, I love Stephen A. Smith too, but you, that argument no longer is relevant in 2020. Well, also Giannis is a global icon. I remember watching that 60 minute story on him last year. 
that 50% of the Bucks' revenue was coming from overseas because of Giannis and the Kumbo. Well, it's, it's the league itself yeah. with revenue sharing and things. You have stars like Luka, this, this Giannis. Isn't, this isn't pre-internet where like no one knows who you are. I always go back to when LeBron was at leaving Cleveland or in his final season, or Rich Paul, uh, his agent, was asked about, you know, oh, don't you want to be in a bigger market? And he said, I believe he was on he was on one of those late night talk shows. He's like, Oh, don't you want to be in a bigger market? And I think they were filming it in LA. And he said, It's twenty seventeen. If uh if he wants to play in Detroit, people will bring jackets. Like he was just <laughs> like, If we want to film a movie, we can build a set wherever we need to build a set. Yeah. Like this isn't one of those things. I like what you said. In baseball there's a there's no yeah, salary. The Brewers cap. are a small market team to the Yankees and they, and a big always, market team. And they always will be. Now, granted, there's luxury taxes that you pay into and hard cap and things like that in the NBA. But the only thing I hate that Stephen A. Smith said there is like, why don't hope Giannis leaves Milwaukee? Like, why do you want to do that to Milwaukee? Yeah. Hope Clay Thompson leaves yeah. Oakland. Like, be like, oh, I do you know what? I hope that the Bucks make a move for Clay Thompson so then Giannis can be sh- surrounded by a shooter of that caliber. Like, well, don't wish that upon Milwaukee. Like, I know Stephen A. Smith and Milwaukee have gone back and forth on Twitter a few times, but uh, like, don't wish that upon the didn't, upon the small market team. Didn't he want Giannis to go to the Knicks too? Well, like he's a Knicks fan, who would? Why would you ever wish uh, anyone to go to the Knicks? That's like that'd be terrible. I'd well, hate to go the to Knicks the Knicks. Would it become instant title contenders if you played <laughs> on the Knicks? Well, and here's the other thing: visiting with our Bucks insider Tony Cartagena is we just assume right when we saw the Steph Curry whispering to Giannis, or when Giannis goes to 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 a big market, that it's going to be team courting him. I mean, is there no scenario, no world, Tony? where players actually want to come to Milwaukee to play with Giannis. Last time I checked, Cleveland wasn't the bastion of like a retirement community for millionaires, yet uh, LeBron was able to get pretty much any superstar he wanted to at least entertain the idea of going to Cleveland. So is there not a scenario where it's not Giannis wanting to leave Milwaukee, it's other players saying, I want to go to Milwaukee to play with Giannis? I mean, I would assume players want to come here. There's a lot of money tied up in Milwaukee right now, so it would be hard to pull the trigger on something like that unless a guy like Chris Middleton was moved because the money that they have promised to him over the next four seasons is pretty significant. So I can see a big-time star wanting to say, like, I want to play with Giannis. I don't think players come out and say, I necessarily want to play in this city anymore. I mean, Kawhi Leonard did it under the table a little bit, but it was his hometown, so Mm -hmm. it makes sense. Uh, but I can see the Bucks having to make a tough decision if they came into contact with a superstar here and said, like, hey, we can make this happen. But I think that would involve the moving of Chris Middleton, which I don't think Giannis would love by any means. They've kind of come up in the game together. Well, dude, he hated it when Jason Kidd was fired. Then he hated it when uh, Eric, or when um, the guy in Pacers now. I can't, Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, and it goes back to even the first GM that, yeah. that, that drafted yeah. Giannis who ended up going to Orlando yeah, John and Ammon, things yeah. like that. So. Look, he's obviously got loyalty, you know. You tweeted but, it out. I got loyalty in my DNA. But he's learning the business side of things as well. Like, he, he is learning that this team can perform well without Malcolm Brogdon because as much as he wanted Malcolm, I can guarantee you he loves having Wesley and Kyle Korver and Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez on that team as well. Yeah. Well, the thing that scared me the most is when Jason Kidd was fired, Giannis was, like, calling him and saying, how can I save your job? How can I save That's what the report said. I don't know if I believe it or not. But Giannis was like, how can I save you? It's like, dude, this is your first time you experienced a coach being fired that I think Jason Kidd was great for the growth of Giannis, but as a coach for the Bucks, I mean, Giannis so much, was, but... what, 20? Like, you have to also look at the circumstances surrounding it. I think when that happened, Giannis was probably 23, maybe yeah. even 22 at the time. He had just lost his father. Jason Kidd was one of the guys that helped mold him, mold him when he came over uh, to the NBA. I know Giannis was in the league, I think, for a year and a half before Kidd was hired. But, yeah. you know, those kind of formidable years, and then all of a sudden you go to work one day, and he's not there anymore. For a 22-year-old, like that's a it's loss. Jarring, you know, that's yeah. a big thing, especially with all the other things going on in his life. So, and with his, you know, wanting to bring people up with him the same way he has his family with him at all. So, time, let me so. ask you: If Giannis is up for the supermax for the Bucks, he can make what a quarter of a billion dollars with the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, it's something like something pretty close to that. Why? And I know you're not going to, but if you're a player and you were loyal, why couldn't you just come out and say, "Is like, yeah, I'll, I'd, I'm, I'm staying. I'll sign the supermax, no problem." Uh, because you always want to do your homework. You always want to – players hold the leverage, right? Players run the show. Everyone complains, oh, NBA players can say they want to be traded, then all of a sudden they get traded. 
guess what? Without the players, there's no product. There's no money to be made for these owners. So guess what? Players run the show, and it's about time they started realizing that. I wish college athletes would realize that uh, at some <laughs> point. But I think it's smart for Giannis to do his homework. I think it's smart for him to listen to other teams this offseason because you want to educate yourself on the entire situation. I, I want to see when Giannis realizes there's no sales tax in Florida. <laughs> you know, right? like honestly, like that's a real thing. That's a recruit. That's a recruiting yeah. tactic. I, I, I want someone to make the best decision. As much as I want Giannis to stay, obviously, but to truly make the decision that's best for yourself, can't, you have to go and investigate the other situation. Can't the Bucks pay him the most money though? Yeah, but you also have to look at but it. But then there's taxes, like you were just. Th- saying. Yeah, there's things most like that. money on the top, but maybe not yeah. most money on the bottom line. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I think it still would come. He would still come out ahead. Because it's an extra year so, as well. If they don't win the championship this year, do you think Giannis whoosh, jolts, bolts? It's so hard. It's so hard to even tell. My gut tells me no. Just being around him, you know, the past two and a half months since the season started. But there's part of me too that thinks learning what else is out there and being recruited for the first time in his life, it's gonna he's gonna have some wide eyes a little bit. I I don't think the Bucks want to let him get that far no because you don't want to have to put up with that but the bucks and i will continue to say it the bucks cannot go into this thinking this is a guarantee they have to go in thinking that they are scary the last on the vegas odds to land Giannis and do everything in their power to make sure he stays